welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. I'm Richard, your announcer, coming to you again wherever you happen to be on this beautiful day. Biblical Truth Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Hebrews 11.6 Resultant exhortation, encouragement, and our soul's assurance. The Bible teaches that prayer is the chief and perpetual exercise of faith. Prayer cannot help but express the hope and joy that are inevitably attached to faith. John Calvin Our purpose, igniting a growing, biblical, dynamic, sincere, soul-satisfying communion with our Savior. And now, once again, here's your host, Fred. Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. My name is Fred, and I am as always, the host, at least as always for now. And we're back to a lesson on Jesus teaching prayer. In today's episode, what we are going to look at is his example as he feeds the multitude. If you don't mind, let's bow in prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this beautiful day. I thank you, sweet Jesus, for your blood shed on our behalf. I thank you that it is what cleanses us and makes us white as snow. As we do bow before you, we would praise you and thank you for forgiving our sins. Help us to not forget to repent, Lord Jesus, of even what we consider the smallest sins. Our hearts are broken, holy God, by our disobedience to you, even in our salvation. We know that that the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And yet we know that we are responsible for that weak flesh. So we do bow before you, pray your sanctification, pray your moving in our hearts and our minds and our souls to make us more like you, Lord, through every circumstance and in whatever ways you need to move in our lives to make that so. We thank you that you are our good shepherd, that you not only saved us, but you lead us and you lead us to the sheepfold and you protect us, even laying down your life for your sheep. We do thank you that we have all that we need in abundance throughout our lives. And so we bless you and thank you for that, even in the times when we may desire more of this earthly stuff. And yet we know we have exactly what we need to glorify you and to fulfill our ministries. We just bless you for that. And again, thank you for your forgiveness. We do pray and commit this time to you that you would help call us into obedience in thanksgiving and in prayer, Lord Jesus, that we would remember you in everything that we do and say. We love you and we bless you. We pray that you would visit us, Good Shepherd, in this moment and to teach us, everyone, what we need to know so that we can continue our growing, biblical, dynamic soul-satisfying, God-glorifying, sincere conversation with you, even communion from our souls. Again, we bless you and we thank you, praying that you oversee what happens in this episode to glorify you and to bring your people to further obedience and closeness with you. 
We do pray it in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We are looking today again at part two of Jesus Teaches Prayer in Blessing the Meals, and he does this by example. It's not a specific time set aside for teaching prayer, but in the day-to-day world, Jesus teaches his disciples that being grateful for everything includes even the mundane, routine, day-to-day meals. And although this isn't routine, it is an example of our thankfulness before the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are in Matthew 14, 16 through 21, and then uh, Matthew 15, 32 through 39, two different events, but, but here they are. So let's read those passages as we get started. Matthew 14, 16 through 21, But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. And ordering the multitudes to recline on the grass, he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking upward toward heaven, he blessed the food, and breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the multitudes, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve full baskets. And there were about five thousand men who ate, aside from the women and children. We also want to include, like I said, Matthew fifteen thirty-two through 39. And Jesus called his disciples to him. And he said, I feel compassion for the multitude, because they have remained with me now three days. And in another context, we actually looked at these verses as well. But anyway, he says, Because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat, and I do not wish to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where would we get so many loaves in a desolate place to satisfy such a great multitude? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, seven, and a few small fish. And he directed the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks. He broke them and started giving them to the disciples, and the disciples in turn to the multitudes, and they all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, seven large baskets full. And those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And sending away the multitudes, he got into the boat and came to the region of Magadan. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, bless your word. Now, we are very familiar with praying before meals. Uh, Certainly in my culture, we are, in any case. And in my culture, until about 50 years ago, even the broader culture celebrated saying grace before meals, praying before meals. And I don't know how you learned to pray, to say grace, to bless the meals. But I grew up actually unsaved and through an era in the United States when when we began running headlong into an abandonment of God. And between the two, the non-Christian home and my culture abandoning God, when I came to Christ in the midst of all that, about 40 years ago, all I knew about praying or the 
or blessing or saying grace was the most common broad terms in my culture, what I saw on TV, what I saw in the movies. So until I became a Christian and started living in Christian circles, I had no idea really about what saying the blessing was about. And as I started to live in Christian circles and observed Christians, my fellow believers now, when I was a baby in several different circumstances, and again, having no other examples, I made several observations, which are were pretty interesting, and I hadn't thought about them for a long time. But the first thing I observed is it seemed to me that prayer before meals with these now fellow believers was typically done only when other Christians were around. I have to confess with my family, we did not make a regular habit of blessing our meals. And those before-meal prayers were a variation of two or three formulas that I saw, obviously praying for gratitude for the food, sometimes praying for gratitude for the makers of the food, praying that the food would be would fulfill its intended role as in fueling our bodies, praying in general for his gratitude, his supply for us. And then, fair or not, those three sets of variations seemed to me like formulas and empty words most of the time. They were just things that people followed, and I did that as well. I never did consider why we pray before meals, especially in the context of those formulas. And for all those reasons above, for me, it was very hard. Grace has always been, praying before the meal has always been very, very hard, uncomfortable. And in fact, by just way of transparency, it's one of the reasons that is the main reason why I typically avoid saying grace and ask someone else to do it. Because by and large, I have felt hypocritical when I prayed before meals, when I followed those formulas. And the reason I struggled is without even thinking about it, I fell into those same meaningless forms that I had learned in my early Christian life. And I actually would even confess, I'll let you know right now, that in my closest estimate, I think I have violated, well, I know I have violated every principle of prayer that we have ever talked about in the last four years. And when it comes to grace, I prayed sometimes only because there were other Christians around. And I prayed using those, a form or another, of those empty formulas. As a matter of fact, probably 95% of the time, that's the way I prayed before meals. And that's why I began to ask other people to pray, because I felt so bad. And as we read those earlier passages of Jesus' example, I've been convicted of being thankful before meals and to not saying those hypocritical prayers like I had before. Now, in the passages, central passages to those two passages, we see in Matthew 14, 19, that Jesus blessed the food. In chapter 15, that account says he gave the thanks for the food. So my initial thought was, okay, blessing the food is just giving thanks for the food. But I didn't want to miss anything, and so I began to look through my resources, commentaries, and that. And in those resources, I didn't find a ton of information about praying before meals. Most of the commentaries expressed, obviously, the subject of gratitude, acknowledging where the supply came from, and that the Father was glorified for the provision that he gave, and especially in this situation, 
being so miraculous. All that is great. But to see if I was missing anything, I did some some more snooping around. And I did find a website, I think it was called Jewish Archive Online. And it talked about the Jewish tradition of praying before meals. And I have to tell you, some of it I loved, some of it not so much. Now, they used, according to this website, the Jews use a formula for praying before meals. And they use, this is the part I love, they use the term Baruch Ata Adonai. At least that's how I've heard it pronounced. And I mentioned that before. It is a name for God. It's not in the Bible in that form. I had a Messianic Jewish friend who told me when I asked him about providence and what the Hebrew word for providence was, he said they didn't have a Hebrew word for providence. They used the term Baruch Ata Adonai, which, as he explained it to me, means God is himself in a continual state of blessedness, and he continually blesses his creation. So once again, Baruch Ata Adonai, God being in a, a perfect state of blessedness, is continually blessing his creation. And that's what he said they used as opposed to a single word for providence. They would use then Baruch Ata Adonai, and then they would tack on the phrase, and they evidently, they ate their meals in courses. So they would repeat the phrase, Baruch Ata Adonai, who supplies meat. And then the next, maybe they would say, Baruch Ata Adonai, the God who gave us grain for bread, and then vegetables, and all the way down the list, including the wine. And there's a psalm that talks about God giving wine to help men in their daily routines. And I have to let you know, I had to struggle with that when I was really legalistic against drinking. I struggled with that. So on the one hand, they did have a formula for blessing their meals. And that actually doesn't help my idea of hypocrisy in praying before meals. But what I do know is even if Jesus used these formulas, he did not do it by empty rote. His words were not empty words said just because other people were around. He didn't follow those formulas just because they were formulas to follow with his whole heart, because of who he is and because of what he taught us about prayer earlier, not to, not to use vain repetition or mindlessness or words, the same, just the same words over and over again that didn't mean anything to us. In this moment, with his whole heart, Jesus called out to the Father. His thankfulness was genuine, sincere, And in that moment, he knew he was about to experience the power of the Father and the Holy Ghost in creating enough bread and fish to feed perhaps 10,000 souls. This was not just an ordinary meal, but even if it is an ordinary meal for us, and the times he prayed before ordinary meals for him and his disciples— I know he did not pray from an empty, insincere heart. But in this case, they were about to see a miracle. And where there had been 10,000 needy people with no resources and no hope of resources, nobody knew where they were going to get that amount of food. 
afterwards, when he was done, there was 10,000 satisfied people. And they were satisfied because, and he could let the second group go, find their way homes because of the power of God, because of the mercies of God. And so we can be assured that whatever words Jesus said, they were full of sincere meaning. They were ripe with meaning. And unlike my empty words, Jesus, in transparency, proclaimed the blessed character of holy God. And then, in his deep appreciation, he proclaimed the glory of God through his abundant provision. And that's why this became a conviction for me. There was my hypocrisy staring me right in the face, as much as I couldn't imagine Jesus saying, even if they were those those Jewish formulas, he did not say them without heart and without feeling. But my soul just repeated empty words. And the difference we saw last week, I didn't mention it, I don't think, concisely enough, But when David was really repentant with Bathsheba, his brokenness came because he had never handled that situation yet. He was immediately convicted, immediately cut to the bone when God said, why have you despised my goodness, as a paraphrase. But when he cut off Saul's robe, he already was living with the principle that he wanted to trust God to give what God promised, and to wait on God to give what God promised. So when he cut off his robe, his repentance wasn't so heartfelt and deep and sudden, because he already knew that. I'm convinced he was conflicted as he went down to even cut off Saul's robe. And that's the difference. When we face a sin, either that we face too many times over and over again, we're brought to brokenness, or the first time we realize that we're brought to brokenness. But when it's part of our souls, when it's part of our conviction, that emotion isn't as deep because we already know what we should be doing in our hearts. And my soul is not thoughtless in regards to God's merciful supply or in acknowledging that everything comes down from the Father of lights who gives everything that's good. So in this case, my repentance and conviction lay in two places, in two different lines, if you will. One is the expansion of gratitude. I want to be more consistently thankful before my meals, alone and in front of other people. And then I want to be more sincere when I pray. When I pray aloud now before meals, I am going to be and use those consistent prayer principles that we talked about. The prayers before meals are going to come from this point on from me, and I'm not going to shrink back from praying them, but I am going to pray them sincerely and spontaneously in conversation with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit without concern with who else may be listening. So as we come to this and we see Jesus' example, we should be thankful. And we went over several verses last week about that general thankfulness. But in his supply, even even if it is not miraculous, it is stunning to us that he supplies what we need every single day and as much of it as we need for that day without thought of how he's going to, to supply for tomorrow or the next meal. He's going to do that. He's our Father. 
So my beloved family, wherever you are in the world, whatever your traditions are, I'm just praying that we would transcend those formulas and to make them heartfelt, meaningful words. Again, whatever your traditions are, you can pray them earnestly to the glory of God and in true thankfulness. It just takes a moment to stop and to think about that. And I love the principle. We didn't talk about this last week, but the principle set down in 1 Timothy 4, 4 and 5. Timothy there says, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. And then he goes on in verse 5 to say, For it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. In this, he's talking about men who aren't teaching the word of God rightly and who they forbid marriage and they advocate abstaining from some foods, which he says God has created to be gratefully shared in those who believe and know the truth. So we don't have those dietary restrictions as Christians. What God made is good. And when we know that and we receive it with gratitude, Everything we eat and drink is sanctified by means of the Word of God and prayer. So we can be sincere. And again, our brokenness, our repentance is not full of brokenness necessarily, unless you feel that conviction, in the same way, because our hearts are besotted, is the old word for that, filled with gratitude for everything God has done and said. Thank you, Heavenly Father, again for today. We do thank you. We repent any time we have or will thoughtlessly come to your provision in any circumstance without that humble gratitude which we owe you and the acknowledgement that you are the supplier of all things. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you convict us in little and small things. When you were talking to the hypocrites, you said they should have kept the little things and the big things. And Lord, our daily meals, your daily provision, may seem like little things. And yet, holy God, we know we are to be thankful for those. We thank you for your example that you blessed and gave thanks and acknowledged the holy God of the universe, the creator, that you supplied every single thing that we need. So we pray that we would conform to your goodness, Lord Jesus, and I just thank you for all those Christians out there who do not need this warning, but I thank you that I needed it and you brought it to me. And we just bless you again. Thank you for this time. Penetrate our hearts. Make us reminders always of your goodness and your grace and your mercy. And if you do use traditions to do that, help us to express those traditions in a heartfelt, full of thanksgiving manner that will glorify you. We bless you, and again, we thank you for your goodness and your mercies. We pray this in the name of the Father who created us, the Son who saved us, and the Holy Spirit who sustains us. Thank you for your prayers on our behalf. When we have no utterance to give, Lord Jesus, let us come into your throne room, kneel down silently, and let you, Holy Ghost, take those words too deep to utter and make them into a prayer. Glorify yourself today in our attitudes and in our words and in our actions. Again, we pray this, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to your glory, to the praise of your name, for eternity, holy God. Amen. Thank you for listening. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever.
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, brethren, I forgot to do this at the first again, but we are going to listen to Love Lifted Me by Chad, Marvin, and Joanne. Enjoy that music and then look for it wherever you find your music. And then, brethren, let us pray for one another. I was tired of this old town. It ripped me to pieces and tore me down. Crawling out from a bottle fell on my knees And asked Jesus to set me free Now this is the song I sing A three, four Love lifted me, love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me, love lifted me Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry From the waters lifted me, now safe am I Love lifted me, love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me, love lifted me Love lifted me, when nothing else could help Love lifted me All my heart to Him I give Ever to Him I cling In His blessed presence live Ever His praises sing Love so mighty and so true Merits my soul's best songs Faithful loving service too To Him belongs Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me Souls in danger look above Jesus completely saves he will lift you by His love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, billows His will obey. He your Savior wants to be me saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. And I know that I'm loved, no matter where I've been, what I've said or done. My name's known in heaven, the battle's won. And someday I'm going home. Until then I'll shout Jesus and make his name known. Yeah. Love lifted me, 
nothing else could help Love lifted me, love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me As always, thank you for listening. We look forward to hearing from you at www.frponprayer.com or freerangeprayer at gmail.com. And for all your voiceover needs, go to richarddurrington.com or durringtonr at gmail.com. Keep your dial here for our next episode. And if you have a dial, you just might need an upgrade. For Fred and I, have yourself a prayerfully fun-filled day.